we know that um, traditionally that small practices, we are very, you know, kind of that talent in-house is very fragile, right? That system is very, very fragile. We see a lot of chronic turnover, whether it's a couple of years, sometimes even more frequent than that. And it's really hard to run a business when you don't have a stable team. This is Growth in Dentistry, a dental intelligence podcast where we ask the question, what does growth in dentistry look like to you? I'm Katie Polson, a dental hygienist and your host. Welcome to another episode of Growth in Dentistry. We are starting our conversation today on the staffing shortages. And before we get started, I wanted to invite you to join our Facebook dental intelligence community. Also, if you would be so generous to go and rate and review our podcast, we'd so appreciate it. We read every one of them. Also, we want to hear from you. So if you've got any questions or comments, go to our podcast page at dentalintel.com and now on to our show today. With me, I am so lucky to have Christine Sison of CEO of Swiss Monkey. From UC Berkeley and a master's in health policy and management from the Harvard School of Public Health. Prior to her work in dentistry, she conducted brain tumors research at UCSF, um, assisted in the integration of IT into clinics, hospitals, and later led the development of community-wide healthcare systems, including telemedicine efforts, which with your background and what we're going through right now, I could say we have no better person to be talking about some of this stuff today. So welcome onto the show. We're so grateful to have you. So impressive. So, so, so impressive. And I, we, were, we were talking earlier, we, I normally have a co-host and I don't have one today, which is fine because, because girls rule, we're the best and we don't need, we don't need no co-host. We're just fine. So <laughs> gives me more time to talk, you know, I'm a talker. Yeah, so that's good. That's good. Well, uh, I'm excited to talk about the staffing shortage. And uh, this is the first episode in this series that we're talking about staffing. And it really is become as I, just the more and more, and maybe it's, I'm more focused on it because I've been getting ready for this series, but I, everywhere I turn, I feel like somebody's struggling with staffing, somebody's hiring, they can't find anybody. Um, and it's just, it's, it's the wild, wild west out there. I feel like a little bit. So I'm excited to get this conversations going. So, um, with your background and with your, with your company as this monkey, can you address what you think is attributing to the staffing shortage in dentistry right now and maybe how the pandemic has affected it or what you've seen? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think um, staffing was hard before the pandemic, right? Certain areas definitely felt it more and what happened during the pandemic. We saw that in certain areas, it just exacerbated a really tough, an already tough problem, right? And then we had, you know, um, we had the childcare issues. We had people going back to school at different times. Um, we had people that were scared of going back into dentistry. So this kind of risk aversion leaving the industry. Um, people were coming back kind of different rates and kind of different capacities and mental, you know, kind of a different kind of state of, of mind. And so I think um, it was really challenging, not only for obviously people running a dental practice, but also for our employees. And so I think it forced a lot of things um, from the business owner perspective as a dentist or as the owner to think about how do I kind of re, 
um, how do I continue to practice in this kind of environment? And I think for those that were, um, that, you know, are part of the dental team, a lot of us, you know, they had a chance to stay at home, right? And so when you're staying at home, a lot of people had a chance to think about kind of that work-life balance, right? And so, um, you know, time is a zero-sum game. And so part of it is like, hey, do I want, is this the right place for me? And we didn't see everyone come back into dentistry. And I think um, it created, when, when we were allowed to open, I think, um, it created this kind of interesting opportunity for dentists and owners to um, invite employees back in kind of a different mindset. And I think the ones that I saw that were really successful in kind of bringing back their teams were those who um, moved from kind of a really transactional kind of business conversation about, hey, let's just like get this practice open. We've been closed for two or three months. But I think those are really successful in kind of retaining their team members and keeping the team members over time were those that were able to, I think, have a more humanistic approach, right? I think, mm. you know, we're, especially our front lines, we tend to have a disproportionate amount of women and thus tend to also have a lot more children and maybe had to also stay at home and had to carry a little bit of that burden. I think those, um, the practices that were more sensitive to that and were able to kind of have a different tone and understanding of, of that, I think we're more successful in kind of bringing back their teams. And I think are recovering at a different rate than some of those that were a little bit more kind of, I think, hard, hard where they were, where, when they were coming back. So, yeah, I like that. I like that focus again on team as well. Like if you had built a great team before it was, it's been a lot easier to come back to, but for sure, great insight. So one of the services that your company provides is help with recruiting, if I'm not mistaken. So finding qualified candidates has been very difficult for a lot of people. Uh, I feel like a lot of people are just making um, rash hiring choices just to get a warm body in the chair. So what actionable advice can you give to a practice who maybe is struggling to get qualified candidates to apply for even just you know, any of their open positions that they might have? Yeah, absolutely. That's a really great question. So I think... Um, one, this understanding that it does take time, right? And I know that's kind of the thing that you don't have. And so what I find for most of my doctors is, when, especially when they're staffing through us, is just kind of an understanding of this is kind of a process, right? And um, and there are things like the outs- like a hybrid team that can help to, um, can balance out like things to like, you know, if you need help answering phones, we can do that offsite, right? I think one understanding that does take a little bit of time and sometimes you're going to have to make some onsite changes, right? So you might not be able to schedule as efficiently. One of the things that I think some of my doctors do is that when you're understaffed, if it's for a long period of time, sometimes you can't sustain that level of kind of productivity when you're understaffed. And if they mm-hmm. try to, what ends up happening is that there's burnout, right? And then you end up losing people that were already kind of on your team. And so part of it is thinking through like, all right, are we able to kind of get through this this process? Because it does take time. Sometimes you think, you know, you hired the right person and they did really well in the interview and then they came in there and they just underperformed, right? So it's not as kind of easy as we sometimes hope that it is. Sometimes you luck out and it's perfect. But most of the time we're seeing anywhere between two to six months to fill a position. Now that doesn't Mm -hmm. mean that, you're not going to have somebody, you might have someone right away, right? But usually it's a two week process. They have to, you know, they're leaving another position, but usually it does take a little time. So I think one, um, making sure you give yourself kind of that ample time to be able to see what this is the right fit and also the training piece. Um, but I think something that's really interesting that I've been kind of learning uh, as well here at Sismonkey is that doctors that are also really successful are able to find kind of um, and we're going to get a little fluffier. It's kind of like organizational alignment and personal purpose, right? And I think even a lot of um, our team members, when they come into the office, they don't necessarily feel like they're very excited to come to work. And I think the offices that are able to find kind of alignment between what their office does and what 
um, a person's kind of individual purpose, I think they find to see much more kind of synergy and you see kind of an uplift in productivity. People are more likely to report better health or they're, they're um, six and a half times more likely to kind of be resilient. They're more likely to go above and beyond. And I think the doctors that can be very savvy about having that conversation tend to do better. Now that's very soft and fluffy. How do you really do that? But I think there needs to be some kind of deliberate intention in terms of how to learn how to do that because when you do it well, you do see kind of, um, I think much more synergistic practices than those who um, aren't finding kind of alignment between the organization and um, their employees kind of purpose, personal purpose. Yeah, I, I have not thought about that before, you know, like how important keeping your current team happy is in your process of finding new staff, right? I never, I was just, I've never, I've always just been focused on getting the new staff, right? But if, if you're going to burn them out, you know, and it does take time, right? What a great, what, that's some great insight. Thank you so much for that. Cause I didn't ever thought about that like that before. Uh, in a recent article, which I got to read from you, you discussed the hybrid team, which I just want you to talk a lot about, but um, I've been in dentistry for 15 years and I can attest to the trepidation that one might feel um, with like hiring out of like a portion of, uh, hiring out a portion of their front office duties because um, they just have a lack of control there. So feeling the, I've also like here in Dental Intel, I've had conversations with people feeling like they're being replaced a little bit with technology. And we can see, uh, we see that often. And Dental Intel with their follow-ups, their patient finder, online scheduling payments, Modento, all of our tools that help automation. Um, our intent here is to help, help the staff, but not replace it, right? So can you speak to what a hybrid team looks like and the value it places on the people in the team? Yeah, I know. I think all of those concerns that you mentioned are very valid concerns, right? I think, and people that are in this space like myself and also with you, and we're, we're talking about it. I think we have to be thoughtful at how we, how we talk about the narrative of a hybrid team, right? Because it's really important because it can be very scary for someone on site. Are you replacing me? Why not? And I think for us, what we're doing here at Just Monkey is thinking about, um, how do we mobilize talent, right? Like if you don't have the talent in-house, can you tap into resources outside of kind of your immediate orbit? Mm -hmm. And that's really what we're thinking about. Not everything that can be outsourced should be outsourced. Some of the stuff should be kept inside, right? And you don't always need to use this model. There are times where, for example, we have senior treatment coordinators. Now, if you have someone that's really amazing on site, that might not be a good resource for you to outsource. But what happens if that person that's been there for five or 10 years, all of a sudden gives you a resignation? then you might be more open to thinking about other ways to be able to overcome kind of that time until you find someone on site. So I think looking at it is not only it's, I think it's a, it can be an interim solution, but I think it also minimizes disruption when you have kind of chronic staffing changes. So I think mm -hmm. when we're thinking about um, kind of this hybrid team, we have to think about what does your team need, right? And not everything should be outsourced. So there are things that are kind of that I say, hey, that take up a lot of time that maybe your onsite team doesn't wanna do like insurance verification, right? Insurance aging, things that are taking up a lot of time on the phone where they can spend that time doing other kind of revenue generating activities like mm -hmm. and, and providing that really amazing experience to that patient. So I think when we're talking about kind of the hybrid team, our goal here is to think about how do we create a complete team? If you don't have it on site, where are ways, how can we allow you to tap into um, talent outside of your office so that you have a complete team. And I think even for me, for my own practice, it's such a relief to know that if anything happens on my, on, in my at least my front desk piece, 
I have something to lean on, right? That can flex with me as I grow or as I contract. If my office is closed for a week and I want someone to answer my phones, I don't have to have my team, you know, have, you know, be on their cell phones. I can say, hey, Susan, can you answer my phones during the week that we're all off? Right. So I think mm -hmm. it's how you kind of integrate it into your office that is really important. And when you when you are, I think it needs to be a deliberate process in terms of how you talk about it to your on-site team so they don't feel threatened, right? Because there are ways yeah. you can drive this model into your office that makes it feel like a very threatening kind of resource. And I think it, it, it is imperative upon kind of the owners to talk, um, to speak about it in a way that makes sense so that the team is welcoming and embracing it and um, that they feel like it's something that's going to help them kind of advance the other things that they have to do in the office. Yeah. I think most people would agree that are in dentistry, the best part about the job is patient care, right? Everybody loves it. Everybody from the front desk to the back office, everybody, the most rewarding part about being in dentistry is being able to care for the people that you get to come in contact with. And if, you know, having someone answer your phones for you or insurance verification allows them to be able to give them a better experience, then that's just better patient care, right? Um, but for sure, it definitely has to be a conversation ahead of time. I love what you said there. Yeah, that's really great. Anything else to add? I feel like um, we're going to get to our approaching our last question, which we ask all of our guests. But I just want to make sure that everybody um, gets an idea of what, what you guys do at SysMonkey and what is available to them. Um, anything that we didn't touch on? Yeah, I think here at SysMonkey, you know, our goal here is to be able to get a create a complete team for our, for our doctors. So we are kind of a, we are a vertically integrated service. So we provide everything from answering phones to recruiting, to hygiene recare, to um, kind of the whole revenue cycle. And so mm -hmm. um, it allows the doctors to kind of have one company to talk to. And that's not right for everybody, but for us, I think it's helpful so that we can kind of see a global perspective of what's happening in the office. So sometimes when you have kind of this over, over or orientation towards specialization, right? And you have too many people that are, it becomes very clunky. And I think, especially with dental intel, you are able to provide kind of a, kind of a global view. And it's with Monkey when we are able to kind of keep things within one company, I can see the whole picture of what's happening. And then we can kind of create strategies that make more sense just because we have the data in front of us, right? And it's not, yeah. um, it's not completely fragmented. And that's where I think um, sometimes creating strategy can be difficult if you don't have all the information in front of you. Absolutely. I, we would definitely agree with that, especially being a data company. It's really important to have that information at your fingertips. And I also feel like not to say that, I mean, sometimes I feel like the DSO's space kind of gets um, thrown out there as like as the big bad wolf that's coming to get you. But really um, to be able to compete as an independent practicing dentist, you're going to need help because at this point, um, it's, it's getting to a point where you have to kind of rise to that same level of, of service that they're able to give. So absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Well, we asked the same question again to every guest. And the reason why we ask this is because it can mean different things to everybody and um, growth is personal and it, uh, again, it just means different things to different people. So what does growth in dentistry look like to you? Yeah. So um, I was thinking about this question. So I think for me, a couple of things. So one, um, I'd like to see the dental industry move. I think we're seeing kind of um, move towards kind of more data-centric architecture. Obviously, dental intel is a big part of that, right? And I think we don't see that a lot with private practices. And it's really hard to do this because when you're seeing patients every single day, you have to have a very deliberate kind of 
intention that you are going to start to use data in a more meaningful way. And that's very hard sometimes for you know, small businesses, but I would like to be able to see, I think, um, I think that's where the future is. I think you can make better decisions if you have the data in front of you. I think that's one, uh, you know, I think one trajectory that I'd like to see, I think, um, continue to evolve within the industry is just kind of just the ability to extract data and see data and analyze data faster. Mm-hmm. And obviously, I think just obviously from my from our own company's perspective, I'd like to be able to see dentistry mobilize talent better across um, mm-hmm. across the ecosystem. So we know that um, traditionally that small practices, we are very, you know, kind of that talent in-house is very fragile, right? That system is very, very fragile. We see a lot of chronic turnover, whether it's a couple of years, sometimes even more frequent than that. And it's really hard to run a business when you don't have a stable team. You can't invest in it. I mean, when I know for my own practice, if I might, if my team is turning over all the time, you don't want to invest in it, right? You're not doing training. You're not doing a lot of coaching. I mean, just, it's, it's, yeah. it's really tough. And mm-hmm. so I think if we can um, allow private practice, particularly to be able to tap into talent outside of their office and kind of really leverage the ecosystem of what's out there. Um, I think that's kind of the way to go. And it will allow them to compete against kind of these bigger corporations, which is a bad or good, right? But it allows them to have kind of these DSO-like resources that traditionally weren't really available to them. And it makes then running an organization better, which means if you're not focused on having to stabilize your staff all the time, you can do other things, right? Like be, be more productive, think about strategy, think about gro- uh, you know growth, right? And if you're not mm-hmm. thinking, and when you are, have a lot of staff turnover, if all your energy is being invested in how to kind of take a team, it's 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 basically a cost um, to doing other things. So I'd like to see those two things kind of um, yeah. higher em- emphasis in the next few years. I love the staff, the staff mobilization idea. I really do. My dad was a dentist and watching him um, come, like he would, Monday through Thursday, he'd work in the mouth, right? And then on Friday, he'd <laughs> work in the business. And all Friday, that was his, well, that was his thing. But I, just even growing up, I could get a pulse on what was going on with the staff in the practice, just based off of how he came home that day, <laughs> right? And so I remember countless times where somebody had quit or res- resigned, or he had to fire somebody. And um, just watching the toll that it takes as just a practice owner, um, small business owner, right? That's like, all they really want to do is just be in the mouth and just do what they were trained to do. And to be able to hand that over, or at least a portion of it, um, it's a huge thing for a lot of people. So I love that what you guys are doing over there. Yeah, it's really great. Great. Thank you. Yeah. So, well, again, this is the woman show. It's been really great. So <laughs> this is, this has been growth in dentistry, a dental intelligence podcast. Special thanks again to our special, special guest, Christine Cison. You can find her at Christine at SwissMonkey.io. A uh, link to her will be in our show notes. You can also find those links or any other great information by visiting our webpage at dentalintel.com. Thanks um, to our marketing department again for all of their work on this podcast. And I'm Katie Holson. Keep growing.